1: zero rb universe entering week 16 that's what we're jumping into today we'll be talking through some of sean's article up on rotavis.com looking through some of the running backs and the running back landscape ahead of this week which every week sean at this point is absolutely crucial no matter what format you're playing and you want to get those dynasty teams true to the dynasty finals for example you want to get through to the best ball finals you want to get all the points and all your rosters well this
2: week again we're looking at trying to meld the usage and the workload situations with a look forward we've got such great tools to help users decide how they want to approach certain start decisions how they want to attack different contests and colin there are some great matchups for our guys this week and there are some concerning matchups for our guys this week i wanted to start it off by just one quick look back on Jameer Gibbs and James Cook, two of the smaller backs that we absolutely love. They both had massive weeks last year. They both had massive weeks in week 15 to help you get through the fantasy quarter finals. And the final bow for that for me was, you know, working through the Sports Info Solutions stats and just seeing, you know, what they did in addition to putting up the big yards. And that is how are they creating extra yardage? What are they doing in space? How are they becoming... Sort of the next and better version of Alvin Kamara and Austin Eckler. Gibbs was credited with seven broken tackles and one forced missed tackle on 11 attempts. And Colin, that's the part that is probably the most surprising here is that Gibbs has been better at creating evasion and even specifically breaking tackles at the NFL level than he was in college. That's not necessarily something that you tend to see because the NFL defenders are so just ridiculously superhuman in terms of side speed all of that type of thing cook was credited with four broken tackles and five force missed tackles on his 25 attempts so we're looking at a game here where gibbs has eight evaded tackles cook has nine evaded tackles i wanted to put that in a little bit of context by pointing out that like kareem hunt and ezekiel elliott they have combined for six broken tackles this season on 263 attempts and so You know, when we complain about Kareem Hunt and Ezekiel Elliott being involved in the game plan, it's not a matter of not liking those guys. It really is an evidence-based take that probably their teams are hurting themselves by putting them out there. A.J. Dillon, Tyler Algier, and Gus Edwards have combined for seven forced missed tackles this season on 493 attempts. Now, those three players, their game isn't too... Force missed tackles we're not expecting that from them and yet when you're talking about almost 500 attempts it does hurt your team if you're putting a guy out there who can really only get what is blocked now you're going to get what's blocked plus you know what you fight through and those guys are going to push the pile on occasion but to be able to run to daylight to do what Gibbs and Cook can do I still think that's an undervalued part of what NFL offenses can bring to the table to give their opponents trouble. So cool to see what those guys did last week. Kamara and Eckler, two guys that I just mentioned, they have that same general archetype. They have the elite hybrid profiles. You know you're going to get some rush EP. You know you're going to get some receiving EP. You hope to get fantasy points over expectation whenever possible. But it's this hybrid profile that can do so much damage from a fantasy perspective. Alvin Kamara more or less successful at that this season. Austin Eckler was actually doing a little better than I think the people realize until everything about the Chargers just collapsed over the last month. But in terms of what they're actually doing, we talked about what Gibbs and Cook did just in the last game, right? Kamara only 12 tackles evaded. So that's both broken tackles and forced missed tackles together. Only 12 all season. Eckler only 13 all season. When we look at how players might be priced in the future year. So we're thinking like, how can we use projecting forward to 2024 to understand how dynasty prices might shift, but also when we're trying to think through in each given year, what the risks of collapse are. And it's very easy to make a mistake by drafting someone who is unproven, who misses and for that to be very visible it can often be less, not necessarily visible, but it doesn't seem like it's as clearly your fault if you draft someone who is older and is headed for the cliff but was good last season and then they fall over it and you're saying, well, you know, how could we have known? I'm not saying you could necessarily know or that you should avoid all of those players, but we want to keep that risk of either thing, of an unproven player not taking the next step or a proven player falling off the cliff we want to understand that both of those things are risks, not one or the other, and that there's some serious upside to making sure you have at least some exposure to players like Gibbs and like Cook. Certainly, fantasy managers who had that exposure last weekend are very, very happy. But Brees Hall, Bijan Robinson combined for three and a half points last week. How long we get some good Big Lebowski references in here? When it comes to these two coaching staffs, there is no bottom but the washington commanders have arrived for the new york jets the commanders have given up the third most expected points and the second most fantasy points over expectation over the past five weeks to opposing running backs that not surprisingly combines to give up the most total points To opposing running backs now part of this they played a pretty decent schedule here they gave up about 20 to kenneth walker 30 to saquon barkley certainly he's not getting 30 every week 22 to tony pollard 25 to devon achan and then the aforementioned williams hits almost 30 on them last week you have to adjust a little bit for their recent strength of schedule one of the other things that works out very favorably for you if you are Brees hall is that they give up a lot of opposing rushing attempts they give up a very high yards per carry average they've also given up a lot of receiving yards you want to have multiple paths to get where you're going here if there's ever a game context in which the jets could have some rushing volume and ever a game context in which they're woeful quarterback play but also the jets are one of the worst teams in the nfl in terms of run blocking we still hope that they get Brees hall out there in the passing game but I think that this is the game where if you have Hall and you got him through, if you need him to score points for you this week, what do you think? Can we can we get a twenty five point game from Reese Hall? If we
1: can't get it here, the, the, this is the spot to get it. This match though has so many question marks for me. You know, we seen last week Sam Howell was pulled out of the, the game against the Rams, and obviously we're huge Howell enthusiast so we're hoping that that isn't the case here but he goes into a pretty tough matchup against this New York uh, Jets defense on the other side of it then with that defense we did see Tua and Co be able to dismantle it pretty convincingly this past week so I'm just not a hundred percent sure with this Jets team and with this commanders team heading into it as to how it will break down I'm hoping that we get some fireworks on both sides that has really shown and our Superflex team this week, what we need, because that is a Sam Howell team that also features Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. So we're hoping to see some fireworks in this contest. I'm expecting big things of Hall here. We obviously want to see them try and improve in the running game with some of that run blocking. But what we've talked about a number of times is using him in the past game and how effective he has been in that role. So if I was trying to game plan here for the, the New York Jets, I'd be I'd be trying to get him, you know, between eight and ten targets in this game to uh, to get Brees Hall working. We are fast approaching the holiday season we're always looking for the perfect gifts for those near and dear to us our families and friends and what could be better than a ticket to a live event we're heading towards the crucial weeks of the nfl season and there's so much sports going on but there's also concerts comedy theater so many other things that you can go and get a ticket to this time of year can be stressful looking for tickets getting the best price the best seats trying to figure everything out to have the best experience but it doesn't have to be like that because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful game time is a fast and easy way to get tickets for all the sports music comedy and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you will have they have exclusive flash deals they have the game time guarantee which means you'll always get the best price if you find a ticket in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110 of the difference buying tickets in a matter of seconds two taps on their App and your set. So, whether it's for a gift or whether it's just to treat yourself this holiday season, snag tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code RotoViz for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account, redeem the code RotoViz for $20 off. Download Game Time today, last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
2: Derrick Henry, Tyjee Spears. Last week, not a good week. They were successful in the game against the Dolphins where, you know, the Dolphins gave up yards and points to Derrick Henry. They gave up yards and points to DeAndre Hopkins. Titans not as successful against the Texans. The Texans have done some impressive things on defense that tend to get ignored forgotten covered up a little bit in the very justified cj stroud hype but we saw the defense win it for him last week henry carries 16 times he has 19 yards after contact which is bad but i'll tell you what it's not as bad as which is minus 10 yards before contact when you're getting hit in the backfield that often it is difficult they go into a seahawks matchup this week where the Seahawks have been giving up a lot of volume, third most in expected points, but they have been limiting the fantasy points over expectation. I don't know that that's a great fit for this Titans squad. But the other thing that's concerning to me, since we have much more on the Spears side, is that this is the Seahawks team that took McCaffrey away in the passing game a couple of weeks ago. This projects as a derrick henry game the problem for him the titans at the very top of the leaderboard along with the texans in blown block percentage in their run blocking despite the matchup can we can we get a bold prediction ty J. spears finally has his true signature breakout game
1: I would love to see it, but I don't expect it. You mentioned, you know, how they stopped Christian McCaffrey a couple of weeks back, one reception for eight yards. But over the last six games, Sean, they're averaging three receptions to running back for 15.4 yards. And that time, no receiving touchdowns to running backs. You know, we're getting Darrell, Darrell Henderson, four for 28. We get Christian McCaffrey in that first game, five for 25, which I think... You know, we're, we're mentioning the game two weeks ago, but that is limiting him on, on two separate occasions. I six receptions for 33 yards in those last two games against the Seahawks and Tony Pollard, three for 15. So they have been fantastic against running backs in that span. So there's a chance that there's, you know, certain players, certain coverage that gets broke. One thing we have seen with Spears a couple of times is, you know, catches for lots of yards after the catch. So we'll see if that could be the case. But this is a, a tough matchup for the... uh the Titans running backs and Derek Henry on that note has been a little bit it's been a weird season Sean if we look week one nearly 14 points then 18 then 2 then 24 then 9 then 19 then the bye week 16 19 3 5 20 25 18 last week back down to five so and the whole, he has been has had some very strong weeks he's been an rb one fifty percent of the time but he has then had multiple games sub 10 points, which has been a a tough little stretch from there. So I think this is going to be a pretty tough one for the Titans. And with what the Seahawks did show this week against the, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, I think the Seahawks
2: might just take this one as well. So now I have a sort of a start sit question for you. We're excited about our main event team. We do have some work to do. And partly that work is going to require us to score at least a few points from the running back spots. We discussed how Javante Williams had a multi-week low in snap share last week, how he was stopped at the goal line, how he looks like he's visibly struggling. Fatigue. You know, perhaps just, you know, the, the explosiveness not being there. The option that we have, unless somehow Ramondre stevenson is magically healthy again would be to go to chase brown and chase brown is so interesting because on any given play he can take it 50 yards for the touchdown like we saw a couple of weeks ago on the screen pass but he is dealing with a situation now with joe mixon where uh, mixon very established he's got the well-rounded profile and mixon is so much like you know a leonard fournette where he's not going to do anything well but he's going to do everything effectively enough that you can run your entire offense through him. And I think that flexibility to run any play when the guy is out there is so valuable to a play caller. And now the Bengals are back in the playoff mix, right? So they're not really in a situation where you're going to be giving Chase Brown an audition unless you think he really helps you win. So then the question is, is Brown going to help them win this week? Last week, he gets out carried 10 to seven. He gets out gained 47, 23. Mixon gets the goal line touchdown one of the things diving into some of the other numbers that sis makes available for us column brown used the design gap on every single one of his carries and it led to him being hit at the line four times and this is always the question that i go back to you know with the rhetoric with some of the coaches where they're like you know you've got to follow the blocking you've got to follow the play call We've discussed a lot, obviously, Travis Etienne and the rhetoric in the preseason out of the Jaguars talking about how he was going to get so much better in that category, despite the objective numbers showing that, if anything, you could argue that he used the design gap too often already last year, right? The flip side of this is that you have someone like a Mixon using the design gap only half the time, getting hit at the line less frequently. This is something that you see In several of the other backfields this week as well. If the design gap has been filled by defenders, don't run into it. Go somewhere else. Kenneth Walker, another great example where he has a fantastic week on Monday Night Football. And a lot of it is that he refuses to simply capitulate and say, okay, there's a defender there. You think about.
1: And then he decides to tell his wide receivers uh, in front of him just where to go to block because obviously the offense. offensive line weren't doing that for him
2: well i mean yeah you got to get these guys blocked you think about one of the carries that deandre swift has down by the goal line last week and he gets swallowed up by the first defender it's like yeah that's the outcome that you expect on that play if the first guy through has beaten your player you're going to encounter a defender two yards back in the backfield that's tough and yet just don't run into it, right? I mean, make that first guy miss, see what else is out there. That's asking for a lot. It's not going to happen that frequently, but Kenneth Walker is someone who is going to at least look for that option. And as a result, sometimes he makes these big plays. I'd love to see Brown show the creativity, show the willingness to move off of that. I read a little bit more about it in the article. That part was just interesting to me in terms of like what... Their self evaluation was this week for the players, how they're going to use Brown. Is he going to be somebody who can go out there and catch passes? Because, Column, he also was not their preferred player in terms of running routes. And then we have this interesting mix in terms of what the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense presents as a challenge. This getting very close to a must win game for both of these teams if they want to accomplish their preseason objectives
1: yeah so i think we're set up when you said at the start start set i assume we're talking Javante versus chase rather than Mixon versus uh chase brown here so the the, the probably the big thing here when you look at both of these players in the stat explorer is one has been extremely efficient and brown 18th at the position and then we have 126th at the position for Javante williams williams has had three rb1 games on the season the latest of them only been two weeks ago where he had 18.1 points against the chargers but his peak this season sean is 21 points but the frustrating thing with williams this season is he has been an rb3 or more 62 percent of the time this season yes an rb3 or worse rb3 or worse yeah so we are looking at situations there where we're sub 10 points a lot of the time but no sub eight points on the majority of those so, while we have a smaller sample size and it is only over the three weeks and in the, the weeks at the start of the season, which I think, Sean, we can kind of bypass, you know, we have week two, three, four, five, and six, where it is basically zero point games, one point games, and a two point game for Brown. But against Jacksonville in week 13, it's 6.1, then 19.5. We know we had the long rush or receiving touchdown in that. But last week as well, 8.1. And this is obviously when you're looking to win competitions or win for people who may be in semi-final situations, it can be very hard to make this decision. But when you're looking at the floor at the moment, what we're seeing with Javante Williams and how he could potentially continue to be phased out of the offense over the coming weeks, and how they've been you know, rushing Russell Wilson and close to the goal line, for example, there is just so many concerns there, whereas it feels like the upside and potentially the floor based on receiving is on the, the Chase Brown side here which is quite uncomfortable because Javante is somebody who obviously we really like and we had high hopes for this season even as the season went on it felt like that would be the case but he faces off with the New England Patriots who are obviously not great on offense but are pretty stout in terms of defensively and we have time to make this decision before we have to you know set that lineup but at the moment I would be leaning towards taking the risk with Chase Brown how are you feeling in that particular decision
2: Anytime that you're going to go away from what is probably a big split in workload advantage to one player, you'd have to be extremely confident in the other circumstances that were going to push you to that. I guess I just wish that Williams didn't have such a catastrophic matchup this week because that would, I mean, that's the only other thing that pushes this into a conversation. You just have to go with the potential snaps and yet week 15 was the first time since week six that williams went below 50 percent on the snaps we talk about backs with carries of 150 or more so the guys who are really heavily involved in their offenses only tyler algier is worse before contact right now he also lost seven yards on his two catches last week against detroit so you're having somebody who's having a very very tough time getting going when we're looking for ceiling we're thinking about big plays if chase brown broke a couple and that ended up being the difference and again i mean the chances of a guy breaking a couple of plays are so small and you think about what Achan has done this year you think about what keaton mitchell has done this year chase brown a similar type of player you really need more proof at this point of the season to pull the trigger on that kind of swap and yet we've run out of time so now you've got to have the guts take the risk and live with the probably negative consequences Or you take the safe play you push everything down the street one more week and you potentially get eliminated because other teams are pulling away from you column rb2 is our weak spot
1: the tricky part with things like that too sean is uh, when you are setting it up sometimes it's like well this player has a prime matchup and he could you know rush for 100 yards and two touchdowns but at the moment it is like that That for me doesn't feel like it's in the range of outcomes here with the match but even without the matchup for Javante, it's not like when they get inside the you know 10 yard line they're going to hand it off to him repeatedly like it's a chance that you know at least if it goes three downs that he is likely to be pulled on one of them but we are seeing at times where he's only in there for one of them pulled out for two of them so i think the the upside isn't really there i feel like with Javante at the moment either unfortunately so i am feeling like the gap between you know how you mentioned and you i i could regret this Javonte could go off for a massive game this week but when when you're talking about regretting starting a player or sitting a player i feel like that regret is going to be
2: you know probably within 10 points if you're if you're wrong and those are good points too, because in addition to what I discussed, you have Samaje Ryan coming in for the high value third down and touches. The
1: other thing is two minute, two minute drills and things like that. Like he's he's gone. He's not there. Two minute
2: drill. And then, as you know, you alluded to there, Russell Wilson is the guy who is taking the short yardage carries. It's it's another kind of frustrating addendum to the Jalen Hurts. DeAndre Swift situation both of those guys are vulturing the touchdowns from their running backs yeah that's that's true
1: and the other thing with Wilson and I've kind of obviously because I like Javante I've mentioned this a few times but there is simple check down passes quite often for like you know eight to ten yards to the running backs but if it's a play that's designed to go deep Wilson wants to take those deep shots and you're not getting those I guess it might for people who don't like PPR formats, it might be like empty calorie <laughs> passes where you're catching the pass. But you know, if you can catch five of those passes and you're only, even if it is only going for 15 yards, it's really helping out your your fantasy lineup as well. So, yeah, we have to discuss that further, Sean. But could be a a Chase Brown week this week. You mentioned Kenneth Walker earlier. He looked he looked fantastic this past. Week again on Monday Night Football. The other player that you reference in this is Travis Etienne with the headline Is it time to fire Doug Peterson? That has been frustrating <laughs> to follow along this season as well. But Sean, Devin Singletary, you've titled it here, Devin Singletary is here for the fantasy playoffs. This isn't the first year, Sean, that we have seen this from Singletary. Two seasons ago, he was part of our charge towards that second place finish in the FFPC baseball tournament. But I did not see it happening in Houston this season for him, and particularly even when the season started. But it has flip-flopped with how the, the running backs have been used there. And Singletary is in a, another pretty decent spot this week. He It's always interesting when you get to this point of the season, who are some of the running backs that you would ra- rather see on your roster? And we just talked about Javante Williams, but I didn't think I would be saying this you know, at the start of the season, but I would much rather have Devin Singletary at this point than than Javante,
2: and I don't think that's close yeah he's been fantastic recently he gets the game winning run in overtime callback but still finishes with 121 rushing yards he has the five broken tackles Singletary has always been one of these guys to put up big evasion numbers and yet some of the other peripherals have put it in the opposite direction for him in part because he doesn't have the long speed so he's been a guy who's been able to turn evaded tackles whether they're broken tackles or forced missed tackles which at times has really been more his element because his lateral agility is so elite we tend to think of the big plotters as being running backs who can generate evaded tackles of one kind or the other and for them it's often the broken tackles but not actually yards and don't make, break the big plays so it doesn't really help you singletary has been that at times in the past even though he's a small back this season with the texans he's again posting some of these impressive peripherals but it's working and so much fun to see what he's doing here he loses a decent number of routes in this game to ogumbawale but those are plays where they're mostly just trying to give him a breather he still gets the six targets on his seven routes four receptions, 49 receiving yards. Receiving has been an area where he has tended to underperform in the past. It was one of the things that kept him from ever really emerging with the bills the way they wanted. It's the reason that they went ahead to James cook, which is working out for them as well. Singletary. So cool to see what he's doing. It will probably help him to get Stroud back. It doesn't appear that that will be the case this week. Not a great matchup against the cleveland browns sort of globally when you think about them having poor qb play the browns have been this interesting mix as a defense where they have playmaking ability their rush defense has collapsed in the course of the season but there are still some things they do well they've given up rushing touchdowns they've given up receiving yards you love to see a defense that's giving up high value types of touches and plays to the running back position some of that is going to be fluky in a way that we wouldn't necessarily expect to carry over to this week, but I would say this is you know mostly a neutral matchup for Singletary. If you have him and don't have two clear-cut stars to put in there, he is a good option for you in the fantasy semis.
1: Last one, Sean, to talk about today on the show, and we've seen James Cook have a huge day against the Dallas Cowboys this past week as well. The Dolphins now face the Cowboys in week 16 in a game where you know, If you're looking at targeting games for a potentially advancing earlier in the season, I know Week 17 is where people put a lot of focus on, but Week 16, this matchup, we would hope to see it be a nice high-scoring one where we get lots of fantasy production across the board from both the Cowboys and from the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins, obviously I mentioned earlier in the show, faced the Jets. Didn't really have to do a lot to you know push the score up in that particular contest, but Raheem Mostert got in the end zone twice, Devin A. Chan coming back, Working his way back from injury to full health, a little bit quieter, not getting those goal line carries. Obviously, it affected the day. And then, two uh, just the one passing touchdown to Waddle, which was obviously fantastic to see Waddle back involved in a big way there. But we'll see with Tyree Kill. Hopefully, he'll be back in the mix. But lots of injuries across the board. Before we started recording, I did see that Keenan Allen is out for this week again. So lots of players missing at a crucial point of the season. But Sean, Raheem Mostert, and Devin. Achan heading into the Dallas game are they going to be able to take the kind of template from uh, James Cook who we seen have that monster performance I I don't expect it to be a case here where we see Tui just throw the ball you know seven times I think I think it'll be more of a balanced game but what's your thoughts entering this week for for this particular game but particularly for the the running backs for the Dolphins and is it a case just that it's it's, it's hard to call a like we talked about with the 49ers receivers and Ayuk and Debo Samuel with who gets all the production each week.
2: Yeah, one of the things to keep an eye on is you know whether or not Raheem Mostert is a little bit dinged up. They have appeared to be trying to get him some benchmark types of scores. You think about the rushing touchdowns that he has put up recently. It might be a situation where the health consideration this week and the explosiveness and what they need to do to compete and to keep up with Dallas sort of shifts this back a little bit in the direction of HN. HN, someone who has been getting a little bit more of the receiving opportunity. Again, just to kind of hammer home how skewed it has been for those. High value looks in the rushing game around the goal line carries inside the ten over the last three weeks. Mostert has thirteen with five scores, HN just the three with two scores. We could see that balance back out. The big picture is simply that the Dolphins have been extraordinary in the run game. You pull them up in the screener, you can see that they're averaging eight point five rushing fantasy points over expectation. That's a crazy number. There are only four teams in the NFL that are averaging more than one. Again not a huge surprise because you can't have too many teams over expectation or it's no longer what the actual expectation is, but those teams, the dolphins, the lions, the 49ers and the Ravens, again, nothing at all surprising about that. The four kind of big time elite running teams, but the dolphins at 8.5 Detroit and San Francisco, both in the fours, impressive numbers. And yet not, you know, even in the same category, really with the dolphins. As I was looking back, over the rest of this century look back to the year 2000 to see what teams would be similar the only team through week 15 that has numbers like this is the chargers when Ladanian tomlinson and these are the full season numbers not just through week 15 for him but he rushed for 28 touchdowns he averaged 5.2 yards per attempt one of the reasons that Ladanian tomlinson was this legendary fantasy player who could put up 30 point per game seasons is for reasons like that and so i mean that's what the dolphins are doing if it were just one guy we would be talking again about legend because it's two guys we're talking about them being league winners again something that's very valuable to you i think they could both do it this week and there's certainly going to be some incentive for the dolphins to get up and then to try and soak some of the plays out of this game similar to what the bills were able to do last week Calling The other side of this game also very interesting from a running back perspective. We had Tony Pollard coming in on a four game stretch where he was averaging 21 opportunities. He was averaging 8.6 points per game that collapsed last week against the bills game script, taking it away pretty quickly. The Dolphins have been a difficult matchup for opposing backs. And again, the one kind of big exception there was that meltdown (laughs) against the Titans. The last four minutes of that game. Yeah. But before that, and we kind of look at it bigger picture, and some of this depends on just how you see the New York Jets. They have Brees Hall. He's had some big games. They also obviously represent overall a terrible offense. So maybe you can't give him that much credit for that. They stopped Brees Hall a couple of times. They stopped Antonio Gibson. You have Josh Jacobs back in week 11. So we're kind of getting you know back out of this most recent time period here. Jacobs is held to only six points. There is an element where they're a little bit more exploitable through the air. During the hot streak, Pollard was averaging just under six targets per game. He was averaging 8.6, receiving EP. That's sort of the gold standard. That's where we want to be to get these guys with the sort of legendary upside, as we like to say. During his hot streak, Pollard was averaging just under six targets per game. He was up to 8.6, receiving EP per game column. That is getting us right to the brink. Of that fabled ep double double that's where the players can really separate themselves and become league winners tournament winners as running backs you know assuming they have some commensurate amount of rushing role last week only five yards on 20 routes But still, I mean, he's the guy in there. This is a chance for him to be the full three-down back. This is the chance for Pollard to put his imprint on a season that's been largely determined by CeeDee Lamb and Dak Prescott. I do think the Cowboys are going to try and attack through the air. I think that they're going to score some points. I think this is going to be a shootout. And yet they have the incentive to show that they can be a balanced offense. I think for them to win this game and start to accomplish what their reality objectives are and position themselves as the other contender along with the 49ers in the NFC. You're going to need a game from Tony Pollard that reflects that. That's what they're hoping for. That's what they're shooting for. That's what they need. It's going to be difficult. If you have Pollard, you have to play him. You're hoping to hit on that high-end outcome. Obviously, plenty of risk in this game that we get back-to-back performances like what we saw last week
1: yeah there is very much that chance but sean who we are hoping for is the other part that you mentioned there the shootouts hoping for high scoring games across the board because that is what makes these games enjoyable which makes uh, fantasy football enjoyable when you're in this point of the season at what you want it to be a case where the best players are making the best plays and then the best teams are winning the fantasy championships but we know that that is not always how it happens and some of those teams who may have had a buy in week 14 sitting back feet up relaxed ahead of the playoffs to see who they face this week. Some of those teams will unfortunately meet their demise in in week 15, but hopefully not for those off the road of his overtime community. We are going to have a Monday show obviously the upcoming Monday will be Christmas Day for those who celebrate the holiday season. Myself and Sean are going to pre-record a show that will come out. It won't be a recap of the contest but should be a fun show for people who want to have something to listen to over the course of that point in time so do make sure you are subscribed to the road of his overtime podcast feed to get that once it is available my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over my co-host as always is sean siegel check out sean's work up on road wishing you a enjoyable week a happy week and hopefully you're advancing in whatever format it is you play in this week and until we are back have a good one